Well, hello, sir. What's up? Oh, you know, navigating your schedule changes, my schedule changes, work balance, life, school for you, uh, and yeah, tell me time change and everything else. Here we are Thursday. I honestly didn't know that this was even going to happen. Um, I don't even know how long it's going to be, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I'm hoping it'll be, you know, somewhat normal length. Um, I'm still trying to figure out dinner. So Melissa's, we're texting back and forth trying to figure out uh, what we're going to do for dinner because I cleaned the kitchen this morning at like 5.45 and uh, don't want to cook. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, like you, like you said, man, I started school this week, like, started my master's program, got off to a hot start, man. And like day one, I turned in a paper and like automatically I passed it. And then my second one, I got a little, I got a little cocky and uh, my second paper, I did it. It took me a couple of days to do it. It ended up being like six pages. And I was like, man, this is going to be cake. I sent it in and they sent it back to me and we're like, yeah, it's all wrong. Do it again. And I'm like, what a kick in the nuts that was. <laughs> like, have a I mean, at least they gave me the option though to to yeah, do it yeah. again right it's just like that's all it is like you just take you just keep doing the assignments until you pass them and then as soon as i got it back like i just kind of misinterpreted like what they wanted <laughs> and uh so I, as soon as i saw it i was like oh dang like i, I knew what i did wrong so but yeah that's so such that was, a gut punch though because you spend what? hours yeah. doing it and all that time effort and energy just to realize that <laughs> You didn't read the directions properly. It was all wasted. Yeah, it was a total kick in the nuts, but is what it is. Yeah, and I also I don't want to say I was less motivated because I haven't even recorded my normal weekly episode. I actually did part of it on the drive home from work earlier, just because I've been so pressed for time and I've just had a lot of uh, work-related things going on that haven't put me in the greatest mood. I'm good now. Uh, but for the last, like, week or so, I've just been like, ugh, I don't want to do this or that. Or, you know what I mean? Just, I'm, yeah. um, I've been going through the, uh, I don't want to say I've been going through the motions overall, but I kind of have. Um, but I'm good now. Back to normal. Um, so, yeah. And I think also what was a little less motivating to want to do this uh this week's episode is because Ohio State was on my week uh obviously that's where a lot of our passion for our weekly episodes come from but yeah. overall in the actual college I felt like there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on last week that uh I think some people might have been surprised by some people maybe not um it was definitely an interesting week in my opinion yeah um i you know like i said i, I you know I, I said we were going to uh you know we went to good old Leeds farm last week so we were there most of saturday but we did uh you know we made it back by like i don't know like four or five o'clock so i was able to watch um you know the end of some of the three thirty games and i watched you know some of the later games and stuff so I did get to catch the last, you know, maybe half of like the uh, Georgia Auburn game, which, you know, ended up 
you know, pretty close. So that, that game was a little bit, a little bit surprising. I didn't get to watch the thriller uh, in Boulder, I guess, though. I, I was texting you and uh, I was like, you know, oh, USC's boat race in Colorado, right? Because they were up huge. And then I get home and uh, I look at ESPN and it said, uh, you know, USC 48, Colorado 41. And I was like, what the hell happened? Like, uh, wild. Did so, you watch any of it? I watched that whole game. And, I mean, poor, poor Shadur Sanders. Even USC's miserable defense had <laughs> had him under duress a lot, especially in the first half. I mean, it felt like. They got a little bit of things going on in the first half, but overall, like the game was not close until. I mean, they were trading scores all the second half, all the way until probably the beginning of the fourth. And then Colorado actually mustered up a couple of stops, forced, I want to say they forced, I don't know if they forced a field goal or not. Uh, I don't think they did. Maybe they did. I can't remember number-wise specifically, but they did get a couple of stops and they scored. And I'm like, oh, man, because they cut it to 14. And I'm like, oh, man, they're, they're right here back in the game. Like, dang, this is uh, – they did have to go for two on one of their touchdowns. They didn't have to do it as early as they did, but they did, and they got it, which um, – and you know how it is in football. Anytime you get a two-point conversion, that is a big momentum swing. Oh, yeah. Because that's a, a lot of people out there don't realize how tough, even though two point conversions from like, I don't know if it's from the three yard line. I think it's, from the, it's either the two or the three. Um, either way, though, it's tough because you're talking press coverages, tight, tight windows, uh, tackle boxes just completely stacked. And um, Colorado went out there and Sanders, I mean, he did not look good in the first half at all kind of looks similar to when they played uh oh colorado state how he struggled early on for like the i'd almost say the better part of three quarters when they played colorado state and then the fourth quarter of that game he came on but he came on in the second half and he was playing insanely good he he was hitting good NFL style passes, right? That's one of those things that you and I had talked about uh, week one, week two, week three, even those NFL style passes. And we said, you know, some of that accuracy was lacking. He's not hitting those types of throws, but he was. And there was several times that he was thrown to a guy that literally could not catch the ball, would just kept dropping it. And so they missed out on a couple of opportunities because of that. And then on top of that, when it came down to the end of the game, so it wasn't their final drive. It was their second final drive. Uh, well, actually, it ended up being their final drive. It would have been the second final drive. But clock management, they had the ball with, uh, I want to say, 343 or even four minutes and some change. They're down 14 at that point. And they ran the ball four times on that drive that were not, and they were not for first downs. And even then, you know, in college, the new rule of first downs that if it's not inside two minutes, the clock doesn't stop. And they just, 
just ran. I I think the commentators had noted that they ran out um, two minutes and like twelve seconds of game clock on those four run plays that they did. And like I said, they were not like 18, 20 yard chunk plays. One of them was a stuff. One of them was four yards. One of them was eight yards. And I think the other one was for like six. So just really poor game management. I don't know because I do know that uh, they do have an offensive coordinator that calls the plays. I don't know if other people know that. Dion does not typically call the plays. I would like to think in that situation that he was. Um, but just overall mismanagement, whether the play call was a run or Stadur got up there and thought he saw something at the line and uh, changed the, the play at the line, just bad clock management overall. And that really, that really killed them. Because the way that they were, they were getting stops at that point, and it seemed like they figured something out on defense. I, I don't know what it was, but they were, they were finally stopping because they were just running kind of like a loose zone most of the game. A couple of the plays they tried to line up man to man, and you know not having Travis Hunter, they actually had a. Um, Shiloh Sanders, the DB, he was also out for the game. Hmm. So, and already somewhat weak secondary was depleted. You know, they're using third and fourth string players the whole game. And the couple of times they went man-to-man, they got absolutely torched. One of them was a 71-yard touchdown pass. The other one was like 55. Gotcha. I mean, I I can see from the box score here, like, that, you know, USC didn't score any points in the fourth quarter. So, was that them, you know, Colorado stepping up on defense, or was USC just trying to run the ball and run the clock out sort of thing? Just so, over with? USC didn't change their play calling style. That was the wild part, too, because throughout the entire game, they were just throwing the ball all over. Because USC is not a big running team. Anybody that's watched them, they're not a running team. Any offense under Lincoln Riley, whether it's been at USC or it's been at Oklahoma, not running teams whatsoever. They're passing. They're throwing the ball 40-plus times a game, every game, in a college football game. With And especially at this accelerated clock now, I was just talking about this earlier with one of my coworkers. I feel like these college games went from being like three and a half, almost four hours sometimes to it's like a two-and-a-half-hour event. And that's it. Like, it's really quick. I feel like, especially the first quarter, the first quarter goes by so fast. Like, insanely fast. But, so USC didn't really change up their play calling much. It was kind of the same. But, and I want to say it was Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson that was doing the, because um, it was big noon kickoff. And um, Gus had mentioned, he was like, yeah, it does seem like, Colorado's figured out something with their uh, defense. And it wasn't – they started playing – they played a lot of zone, but it was a real loose zone. They were dropping – I want to say they were only rushing three, maybe rushing four, dropping seven, dropping eight. And then they started doing some combo blitzes and playing a little bit tighter zone and – 
they got to Caleb Williams a couple of times, whereas there was the 71-yard touchdown pass that they had earlier in the game. They didn't get to him. He was able to run around. He had 11.97 seconds on that play to throw the ball. And at that point, you're playing with your third and fourth string DBs. There's no way they're going to be able to maintain coverage for that long. That's just – so, and I think this is – honestly, I thought I was annoyed with the Colorado coverage. I think I'm more annoyed with the Caleb Williams coverage. (laughs) I could be wrong. They're all saying, oh, he's undoubtedly number one draft pick. He's going to be great in the NFL, yada, yada, yada. I don't see it. I don't see it translating over. They used to say the same thing about Sam Darnold when he was at USC, and now he's on his fourth team, and he's a backup. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I I would have to say Caleb Williams just athletically, you know, has has to be more special than than Sam Sam Darnold, and I. It, you know, and I think a lot of it, too, is just, like, people are so obsessed right now with, like, everybody is trying to be Pat Mahomes, right? Everybody wants oh, to be yeah. these, have these, like, you know, like, when you look at, like, Zach Wilson's um, pro day, like, from a few years ago, and he was making all these off-platform throws, as they call them, right? These ones where you're just, I don't know, weird, jumping up in the air, doing a 360. Sidearm, all that good stuff. Whatever, just stupid stuff. And, and, you know, he's got a little bit of that, right? I mean, he, you know, he's creative. He makes things happen. Those sidearm, underhand, behind the back, whatever the hell. Um, Yeah, people get get really carried away, you know, caught up in, like, you know, just it looks pretty. And, uh I think, yeah, it is kind of getting lost in translation Translation of, uh, you know, just because it looks good doesn't necessarily mean it's – in college doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to the pros. So he's he's an interesting story. I mean, he's definitely got the ability. I mean, he's – you know, he's fun to watch. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's – just looking at USC this year, I mean, they're not a dominant team. I mean – offensively yeah i mean they're as high powered as anybody in the country man but like defensively they're just giving up too many points i mean i i oh they're know. awful they and that's it's the problem bad. they can't stop anybody so if they played i mean i honestly it doesn't matter who they play they give up 28 points every week and right. it's i don't know what it is about uh college football and Fox, like they're just overall obsessed with the Pac-12 this year in general. I mean, hey, hey, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I know the Pac-12 is, you know, basically like done after this year, but like the Pac-12 strong. I mean, this is like the, I mean, certainly, you know, obviously it's the Pac-12. They don't play defense, but like, I mean, this is like the, it's kind of almost sad in a way that like the Pac-12 is, you know, pretty much done because like, you know, their conference is strong right now. They've got a lot of top teams. Like, you look at USC's remaining schedule, they still have to play Notre Dame, who's, you know, not in the Pac-12, but still they got to play Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, which is, you know, like a rivalry game, and they have a young five-star quarterback. So, like, how they're going to make it through that schedule, I don't know. Um, but, man, the Pac-12 is strong. I mean, they're – this is as good of a, a, a as I've seen their conference in a long time, and uh, you know it's going to be the last time too. So it's interesting, but it is. I do think 
to me, I think the most underrated team that just is flying under the radar right now is UW, Washington University. I think with Penix up there, he is a veteran, veteran quarterback. I'm pretty sure he's been at the university for like nine years now. Um, He reminds me of the Penn State quarterback that was there for like seven years. I feel like I brought this up last time. I I don't know why I can't ever remember his name. Um, But it's definitely interesting to see. It's just – it's kind of, like I say, in one sense it's a little annoying because at the end of the day, it was just week five, and the majority of that conference has played teams like UAB, Fresno State, you know, bad teams. Sure. Um, But it was definitely an exciting game watching – I when Colorado was coming back, as much as I like to dislike the whole media coverage and all that, I wanted them to win that game so bad, so bad. I wanted them to beat USC because I get yeah. so tired of hearing about USC and all this, you know, nonsense. Because we know it's going to happen if they run the table over there. They're going to get in the playoffs and they're going to get absolutely pounded the first game because they don't have a defense and the whole overall, the college football scene this year is just unlike any other year, you know, it's yeah. Like Georgia, they, they lost against Auburn. They lost the entire game. Their def- Auburn's defense played for not- and Auburn's not good. Other, some people will say it's a rivalry game. It's not a true rivalry. But they, you know, that's that SEC excuse. Oh, every game in the SEC is a rivalry. Um, but Auburn, literally, I mean, they were owning Georgia. They were controlling the ball, time of possession. They were holding Brock Bowers, who I would honestly argue, I think Bowers might be the best player in college football. Um, he I'm right. is. I'm right there. Yeah, yeah. He is insane, and he he saved not once, not twice, but three times in one drive. He had one-handed catches that should have been intercepted, and he he saved that game single-handedly. It wasn't the quarterback throwing good throws. They were awful throws, and <laughs> it's just when I look at Georgia, their defense – it's not bad, but it's not the typical Georgia caliber defense, kind of like Alabama. They don't have their same normal caliber defense, and they don't have the defense that's good enough to hold and carry through for their offense anymore. And I would honestly, at this rate, I would be shocked if any team comes out of the SEC undefeated, even though Georgia does have a really easy remaining schedule. Like, I'm pretty sure they have the easiest schedule in the SEC, according to the FPI rankings and all that. Um, other interesting thing, I don't know. Um, another under the radar team is Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Another uh, basketball school undefeated. Yes. Yes. I, Actually, I wonder what time they're playing because I want to watch that so bad. I hope that it's not the same time as Ohio State. It's, I would imagine uh, it's probably – oh, they're on a – so 7 p.m. 7, for you. So they're probably on um, 
they're probably with uh, Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN, yeah, I, think, I would assume. Yeah, I think so. Another uh, interesting game, and I haven't watched Kentucky, though, so I don't know anything about them to really divulge into it other than, yeah, I can look at their box score, but I don't – Yeah. I don't think to myself, like, ooh, I'm going to go watch Kentucky today. <laughs> no. <laughs> I no. did flip over to it a couple of times, and they were up by, like, two and a half touchdowns. And I was like, oh, man, they are just dog walking Florida. Um, and then I flipped off of it. But if you do look at some of these scores, a lot of these teams uh, struggled. So you had Missouri, who's undefeated. They struggled the majority of the game against Vanderbilt. And I feel like that's pretty telling because they're they're getting they're starting to get a little buzz around them. They got ranked. They weren't previously ranked. And you know, they struggled with Vanderbilt, who I don't know if they've won ten games combined in the last four years. <laughs> Probably not. And did you watch the Notre Dame Duke game? Um, no, no, I didn't. I, I think I watched like it just came on so late and I was exhausted. Like, I think I watched maybe a little bit of the first quarter, but I did not see the end of it. Uh, looked like a stunner, though. I mean, <laughs> well, I think, ended, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Ohio State had a bye, even though it's so weird to have a bye week in week five. Um, but I'm so glad they had a bye week because of after the way the victory was whoever we played the following week it's a trap game you know you're coming off of this major emotional victory especially with all the outside tension building up before the game Ryan Day gets his post-game speech and the little media draw that that got so I'm definitely glad Ohio State did not play last week for a trap game I feel like Notre Dame was in that I'm not saying Duke's not good because they were undefeated going into the game and they played – I mean, they went to Clemson earlier this year and beat them at the beginning of the year. And it just felt like a trap game, though. I, I knew Notre Dame was going to come out flat, and they did. And But they also – they did defensively, Duke did, what I thought we would have done when we played Notre Dame. They blitzed Sam Hartman the, the entire game. And he yeah. was so uncomfortable. He couldn't do anything. It was their running game that ended up saving them in their defense because he could not do anything for the life. I think at one point he had 13 straight incompletions. Mm. And they were also at one point, they were 0 for, I think 0 for 16 on third downs, which is uh, awful, doesn't even explain that. So, just overall, just horrible performance by Notre Dame. I think it was also a great performance by Duke. They came in with a solid defensive game plan, executed really well, and then just down the stretch there at the end, they couldn't couldn't pull it off. Yeah, and I thought, like, um, you know, Duke's quarterback, that Riley Leonard, man, he's, like, he's shot up NFL draft boards. Like, I mean, everybody loves him. He's got all the tools, but – Looks like, you know, just again, I mean, from looking at the box score, I don't think he uh, I don't think he played very well. But I mean, you know, that Notre Dame defense is is legit, too. So, um, I mean, that's kind of kind of understandable. But uh, oh, 100 percent. I mean, you're talking about the same defense that 
kept Marvin Harrison pretty quiet and our receiving core pretty quiet overall, you know, for the entire game, so to speak, until that last drive that we had there to win the game. Otherwise, I mean, they kept us pretty, pretty low key on all of our numbers. So they're definitely a good defense. They, I forget who they have coming up this week. I think you said that's USC, right? No. Yeah. Um, No, they play USC, but I think it's not for another week or two. Oh yeah. They're, um, looks like that's going to be like week eight. Yeah, USC has Arizona this week. Yeah, probably week seven, week eight. Um, Yeah. And then the big one this weekend is that old uh, Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry. Oh, I can never say it. It's a Red River rivalry, whatever. So that's going to be – I think that's going to be a a really good game, especially I think Oklahoma is coming out for blood because they got absolutely piss-pounded last year. And – I will say the turnaround that they've been able to do with their program from last year to this year is not talked about enough because they literally, people don't realize they lost every good skill position player they had, including most of their coaching staff to the transfer portal to USC. And obviously their new head coach, I don't even know his name. um, Not super popular. Doesn't have a, you know, career, history and like Dion does with he was yes yes um so he doesn't have that flash career so it's not really talked about like Colorado is but they honestly had a similar style of turnover where they had 30 plus players that were brand new starters last year and they were awful last year and now they're sitting undefeated this year yes and he's an ex he was fantastic at Clemson. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's this, a- uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, like, I was trying to look at, um, you know, kind of like the, you know, the kind of playoff race. And I'm, like, trying to, in my head, I thought maybe, maybe we could do this. Like, in my head, I'm trying to pick, you know, like, <laughs> maybe just an early prediction on, like, who's going to be that top four and just try to, like, maybe update it as we go, that might be like kind of a fun thing to do. And like, I was looking at everybody's like all the top, like 12 ish teams, like their remaining schedules and looking at Oklahoma and Texas's schedules, they've got each other as far as like ranked opponents go, they've got each other. And then after that, like their schedule is cake. So like this, this game really is going to have national implications for, you know, if could decide the big 12, if Oklahoma wins this game, like, you know, they could they could cruise their way into the Big 12 championship, into a playoff spot. And same with Texas. I mean, like, I feel like the winner of this game is probably going to win the Big 12 and be looking at a, at a playoff spot. So, um, definitely a big game coming up. Oh, 100%. And then the interesting factor, so I feel like when I watched um, – because Penn State played this past week as well, and they played uh, Northwestern. And I know they won 41 to 13, but people don't realize they scored 21 points in the last seven minutes of the game. It was 
close the entire first three quarters. And one thing, I mean, it's tough in one sense because Northwestern is one of those teams. They do not have a good win-loss ratio every year, but they also play people insanely tough. They play good teams very tough. It's normally – last year when we played them, it was a miserable setting. The winds – that was the game that the winds were insanely high. And you couldn't throw a ball because it would just carry the ball. And and we looked like trash. We beat them, but we looked like trash that game. Um, So that's that's Northwestern plays people tough. But I I was a little shocked. I thought Penn State would just keep rolling – um, but they also Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, the Big Twin, the Big Ten is it's questionable, dude. It's tough. I mean, whoever. Oh yeah. If if one of those three teams beats both, they're getting in the playoffs. Even if they don't win the Big Ten championship, I think they're getting in the playoffs. A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think at this point with with. Uh... You know, like a high state strength of schedule in particular. I mean, I, I think you know. I don't know if people are might disagree with me on this, but I think even with even with one loss, I mean, I I, I don't want to say you'd be a lock to the playoff, but I mean, say you know, if if your only loss maybe is again to Michigan at the end of the year or to Penn State, I mean, you're still looking at a very strong case to get in so like i mean yeah this those three teams like penn state michigan osu they're gonna i mean unless they just absolutely cannibalize each other and you know each one of them takes one loss or whatever but yeah i mean whoever comes out at at the end uh, out of those three i mean has to be for sure and and even like i said even if there's one that you know or something i I disagree with that part though because Penn State did not play a good out-of-conference schedule whatsoever, and neither did Michigan. So, like, Michigan's best games will be Ohio State-Penn State. Penn State yeah, will be Ohio State-Michigan. State, so, us going to Ohio. South Bend is huge. It's huge. So, I think, like, if for some reason we take a loss, like we take a loss to Penn State, beat Michigan, um, and Penn State for some reason wins out, they beat Michigan as well, i say – Oh, 100%. I think a one-loss Ohio State team would probably be the number four team in the country when it's all said and done. Um, yeah. Kind of like last year. Um, now, I think if Ohio State wins, wins out, I don't know. It really depends on how that Michigan-Penn State game goes. Like, like say if Michigan beats Penn State soundly, and then if they drop the game to us, but it's like a close game, then I don't think it'll be really held against them. It's a rivalry, you know, like true hardcore rivalry. And that's one of the reasons why it got held against us, though, because they fucking beat the brakes off of us. And so overall, though, that's what that looks like. And then the big question mark for me is the SEC. It's, I mean, I want to say it's Georgia because their remaining strength of schedule and ease of schedule is just – it's easy. But they – I mean, they're struggling every game. They're struggling every – they are horrible in the first half of every game. And it reminds me um, a few years ago when Ohio State was not a good first-half team. 
And we found out real quick that you cannot be a second half only team and get by and, you know, survive long term. And also, random note, I do want to say a huge, huge shout out to CJ Stroud, who is currently setting rookie records in the NFL with the Texans, who are not, they're not a good team. They don't have any notable skill position players. They don't have any of that stuff going for them. And he's up there balling compared to Bryce Young, who went to a better team and is struggling. So for all those people out there that said Stroud was a bust and all Mm -hmm. that, suck it. (laughs) I could not agree more. I have had so about Stroud is garbage. Ryan Davis doesn't know what he's doing. Stroud is horrible. We should have kept Quinn Ewers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, you're all wrong. And I don't I don't know how many times these fans just garbage out of their mouth and be wrong and still just not realize that they're stupid. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, you know how they say, like, well, opinions can't be wrong. Like, I kind of disagree. Like, I feel like in... I feel like in sports, your opinions can kind of be wrong when when they've been proved wrong by, like, statistics. You know what I'm saying? Like, saying, you know, C.J. Stroud sucks. But when the entire NFL says otherwise because they draft him second overall, and then he performs as well as he has as a rookie on a horrible team, I'm sorry, but your opinion is wrong. C.J. Stroud does not suck. So your opinions can be wrong. You are an idiot. (laughs) I mean, some of those, I'm not going to lie, if Quinn Ewers was on our team right now, I would not be mad. I wouldn't be mad <laughs> because yeah, there's a whole, I do there's think, a whole level of that story. I think with that right now, this year's team, and McCord's doing well. I think he really, like we talked about, he really went up another level with Notre Dame and that game-winning drive. Uh, I'm really curious to see – how he is going to come out against Maryland. Cause one thing, this is another thing that pisses me off. Why is Maryland not ranked, but LSU can sit in there and cruise in the top 25 with two losses. Maryland's undefeated. They're five and oh, <laughs> they got, they got five and oh Missouri up there and they haven't beat anybody. So another thing just drives me nuts. The rankings. Um, but I'm curious okay. to see how it comes out against, comes out against Maryland. Maryland's another gunslinging team. They throw the ball 40-plus times a game, kind of like a similar Western Kentucky style, but better. They're a better team, top to bottom, than what Western Kentucky was. So I'm really curious to see how McCord comes out. But, yes, I will not lie. It would have been really cool watching Quinn Ewers throwing it to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, and it would just – that would have been cool. I'll just leave it at that. That would have been cool, but guess what? He's at Texas, and at some point he's going to take a fat L, and they're not going to win a championship this year. So is what it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I would, feel, I would feel much better about our chances this year with Quinn Ewers, but also, you know, I wanted the, I wanted the mullet, the Mississippi mudflap Quinn, Quinn Ewers, right? I don't want this shaved head, clean-looking – 
clean looking dude. Like, no, <laughs> give me that redneck looking MFR. Like, I wanted the I wanted the mullet Quinn Ewers. I want nothing to do with this, you know, freaking faded up buzz cut Quinn Ewers. He's I don't want him. <laughs> That's funny. I agree though. Um let's see here. Looking elsewhere in the college landscape of last week. Uh, oh, um, LSU and um, Ole Miss. That was a – if you don't like defense, that was the game of your life to watch. Um, it was literally who got the ball first and last and – I've never seen a team score so easily like Ole Miss did on LSU's defense on the last drive to send it to overtime. And I honestly thought how easy they pushed it down the field, they should have went for two. Um, But they didn't, and that's okay. Um, But overall, uh, it was an exciting game to watch. It was entertaining for sure. Nice. I I, I don't know. I I didn't – I didn't catch any of that one. I do see it was a crazy score, but um, oh yeah, I mean there's hundred plus points. A couple, couple thoughts on uh, on the Maryland game this week. I mean, you you touched on it um, a little bit, and um, you know, old uh, Tagovailoa, right? I mean, he is uh, he's probably may I don't want to say the most underrated quarterback in the conference, but he's he's up there, right? I mean, he has set. I think every single Maryland quarterback record that they have, which, you know, certainly isn't, you know, much to go off of, obviously. But, you know, he's pretty – he's sneaky good. Like, there's there's been games where he looks, you know, phenomenal. And then there's other games where he, you know, doesn't look great. I think his thing's just been um, consistency, right? Like, I mean, he's – you know, he can he can play with the best of them when, he, when he's on. But, you know, when he's off, man, it's – you know, he's looking like – Joe Bowserman throwing left-handed or whatever, and you know, fucking fans will get that old record. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, I, I mean, and also like, there's um, I don't know how many people know this story, but I'll, I'll throw it in there. There's a little bit of bla- bad blood between Ohio State and Maryland too. And if you go back to the uh, the 2019 season, there was a guy on Ohio State's team who was like a kind of decent player. His name was Chase Young, and. Um, he uh, he got a two-game suspension for uh, for um, at that time it was like illegal benefits, right? Like he uh, it was a situation that happened in 2018, and uh, he uh, it was from where we played Washington in the bowl game, and he borrowed some money from like a family friend to fly his girlfriend out um, to buy a plane ticket to fly her out to the bowl game, right? And yep. you know Chase Young is Chase Young is from Maryland, so like he has ties to the Maryland program, like with you know former, you know coaches, like all the high school coaches. They know the college coaches. You know, I'm sure he had people he played against in high school that were on their team and stuff, right? So you tell me that if this is a conspiracy, but um, you know it's kind of ironic that that happened in 2018, the whole taking money thing, and then the week before. We were playing Maryland. We played Maryland the ninth game of the season. And the week before we're going to play them, all of a sudden this story comes out about Chase Young receiving, you know, money and, and uh, you know, an improper benefit at the time, which now it's it's nothing. But um, so, you know, the, the rumor is that, you know, the, the Maryland coaching staff is who leaked that. And, um, 
you'll notice that I, I think Ryan Day and Ohio State believed that because they uh, proceeded to hang 73 points on them uh, that week. You know, Ryan Day's not one to run up the score too much. But, Never. Uh, he, he, had, he had Justin Fields in. I, I think it was Fields at the time. Um, he had him in the entire game. They were, like, going for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter. I mean, we were – running it up on them so i definitely think if, you, if we get the chance this week don't be surprised to see ohio state just try to absolutely annihilate them because that's something i guarantee ryan day has not forgotten and uh you know from listening to the press conferences this week it sounds like you know he's still putting a lot of pressure on these guys to uh to perform week. Uh, so i'm gonna guess that's one of those things he's used as like another slight you know all you need is just that one little tiny piece of motivation for you know for teams to uh you know to go out and perform so i'm gonna guess that's been uh been talked about this week so just one of those interesting stories from a couple years back (laughs) i got a phone call while i was going uh oh good well i'm glad i went long-winded there no 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 you're good i i (laughs) I heard everything. No, I do agree. It is one of those things where you do have those little tiny motivating factors that will just turn an entire team into uh, sends them to the next level. And I think I'm, well, I hope that Ohio state comes out that way and we're able to make that happen because I'm ready for a game that we just poured on and have, great offense consistently throughout the game. It's always fun whenever you get to watch Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka and all those guys just go nuts with the ball. And uh, and I want McCord to be able to have a heyday like that where he goes out and, you know, hangs 300-plus passing yards and gets the flowers that I feel like he deserves and just doesn't get because he is getting the gritty wins, not the – flashy wins that you know some of these other quarterbacks are getting sure yeah and I think those I think those wins will come for McCord you know what I mean I mean he's still just just trying to survive just trying to do enough to win the game at this point like he's not whoa um, like I said you know he's not CJ Stroud at the end of his career like if, if anybody like that's the, that's the thing about Buckeye expectations, and I'm not saying, you know, you're saying this, obviously, but, uh, you know, one of the things, like, I feel like, what the heck is that? <laughs> uh, if you hear a revving, that's me in my truck. <laughs> Sorry. It just sounds like you're in a toilet. No big deal. But anyways, oh. like, <laughs> I, I just, it, it kills me when, like, you know, we've had, like I said, you know, we just talked about CJ Stroud balling out you know, number two pick in the draft, tore up Georgia's defense last year, even though we lost. But, um, you know, for people to come into this year and then, like, see a a drop-off in quarterback production and just be like, oh, my God, what a surprise. Like, like really? You know, you, you don't think that you – know, you, if you think that the board is going to come in and perform, like, you know, two-year veteran – uh, number two draft pick, Kyle, uh, CJ McCord, or CJ McCord, good Lord, now I'm mixing up names. You know, if, if you thought McCord was going to come in and perform like CJ Stroud and, and you, you're holding McCord to that kind of standard, you know, through his first four games, then like, you know, what are we doing? Just another one of those Buckeye, you know, ridiculous expectations kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, I in. agree. McCord's just grinding, just grinding it out, just trying to win, trying to improve, you know? Right. And that's, I mean, at the end of the day, 
I know we like to rag on other teams when they barely get margins of victory, but a win is a win and you keep stacking them and we'll, we'll be all right. Like you said earlier, we control our own destiny. As long as we keep winning, whether it's by three each week or it's by 30, we come out undefeated. We're going to go straight to the college football playoff. And I mean, we might be looking at a number one spot or a number two spot, depending on where, everything else falls and that's all you can really you know shoot for at that point if your complaint is we're undefeated and we're not running this flashy offense that's putting up 400 500 yards a week so i don't care (laughs) no i and i i listen you know how i have my my notes right like that was one of the things that i was i was gonna say you just you just crushed it you said i don't care if we win by three or we won by 30 i i could not agree more i actually said i don't care if we won win by one point or 60 points every game like to me i think like style points is one of the biggest myths in college football like people think like if you don't win every game impressively that you're not going to get into the playoff, right? Oh, we have to look good. Otherwise we're going to get left out. No, it, if we win all, all of our games, 13 of our games, if we win every single game by one point, you're in the playoff. It doesn't matter what the score is. Like just chill out on the score, covering the spread and all this crap. Like just win that. I, I've said that and said that and said that all these years, like, when you know when we have a game where we win but it's against a bad team and we only win by 10 points and people are all down saying like man we didn't we didn't annihilate this team we should have annihilated this team and i'm like but we won that's all that it's the only thing that matters. if, you, if your team win. doesn't play good and you're stacking wins that's yeah just i mean all again, you gotta go with. yeah we've talked about it a couple of times already with like you know the, on the podcast with georgia last year like I'm sorry, but like they didn't look impressive. They didn't blow out every team by 60 points last year. They looked nope. very unimpressive at times, but they just kept winning. And that's what great teams do, whether it's by one point or a hundred points, man, you just, you just win. That's it's, that's the most important thing. That's all. I'll, I'll, I'll I completely agree. And I do hate to do this. I am at, I'm at that. I say crunch point. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta no. I'm at when I say crunch point. I just I gotta get the rest of the evening going here with the fam. It's uh, after six here, and uh, everyone's hungry. <laughs> uh, okay. Not to be rude and cut it off, but I do feel like you know we did get a, a lot of good uh, content in this episode. We did talk honestly outside of not talking a lot, a lot about Ohio State, we did talk about every competitive game this past week. We talked about all the upcoming games for this week that we're kind of eyeballing. And I'm hoping that we will have our schedules a little bit better lined out for next week so we can get the episode recorded a little earlier and we won't be in such a crunch time. Because like I say, I mean, I – you were ready probably before we started. Couldn't, couldn't get to that point. Um, so, again, I do apologize for the abrupt ending overall, but I do want to say, hey, man, keep pushing it on. I do appreciate you 
carving out time out of your schedule to make this podcast happen. Yeah, man, no problem. I, I, I get it. I, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm busy as can be right now too. You know, life happens. So no, no worries here, man. We'll, uh, we'll get back at it. And hopefully, like you said, maybe next week we'll get a little more, <laughs> be, be a little more prepared. Oh, I guess. The goal, the goal off now is a Sunday. I was going to say Sunday would be a great day to be able to get the recording in, but I've got actually all day planned. So maybe Monday or so or Tuesday, we might be able to get that in there and, uh, get recalibrated back on somewhat schedule. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, overall, this is going to wrap up this episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged with Zach. And I hope you all stay blessed. Zach, thank you again. And we'll keep on keeping on. Yes, sir. Go Bucks.